1: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, before we talk to Jackie Schechner, I got to tell you about something super duper important. In case you're not aware, we produce four daily podcasts every week. That means a new show every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, you might be wondering... Why the hell you don't see this mysterious Friday show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever? That's because our Friday After Party podcast, with all of its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics, is only available through our Patreon page. So please help support this show by subscribing to our Friday After Party podcast for just $10 per month. That's show.com or just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, October 23, 2019, and this is the interview edition of The Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is the great Jackie Schechner from InvestigateRussia.org, The Stephanie Miller Show, and soon to be on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, co-hosting a show with the OG Sexy Liberal, Hal Sparks. That's SexyLiberal.com. Today we'll talk about whatever the hell that was on the hill today with Republicans storming the skiff, where impeachment testimony was underway. Plus, we're gonna talk about Russia, of course, and the ongoing alternative reality being manufactured by Trump and Fox News. Oh, and be sure to follow Jackie on Twitter, link in the description. Okay, let's bring Jackie in for her fourth appearance on the interview show. So, Jim Jordan, who looks like E.T. right after they revived him, <laughs> uh, Matt Gates, Steve Scalise, even Steve King was in there too, and a couple of really dozen a who's other Republicans. Who of the
0: morons. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. They stormed the skiff where testimony was taking place. One of the craziest things about this, Jackie, is be- there were already Republicans in there. And they're talking about. Of course about, there oh, are. What is Adam Schiff hiding? Steve Scalise was Nothing. outside. Yeah. Why oh. is he hiding so much from us Republicans and there are already Republicans in there? You know what it is?
0: It's yeah. like they didn't bother to read read the how to be a congressman 101 brochure. Where, <laughs> yeah. Dude, if you're not on the committee, you don't get to just arbitrarily participate. Yeah, And there's a reason why the House Intelligence Committee is the House Intelligence Committee because mm. they get information that other people don't get. Yeah. And they're, the people who are chosen to be on that committee are chosen for a reason, although I'm not sure why Devin Nunes is still hanging around. But they've got plenty of shills for the president in on this. So Mm -hmm. you you don't need to storm the castle with your nonsense claiming that there's something happening behind closed doors. This is all procedure and protocol this is exactly the way it's supposed to be going down
1: yeah Matt yeah. gates
0: need to like take a pill and relax
1: are you perceiving the desperation and all of this the fact that they're attacking the process rather than yeah. the actual crimes yeah, themselves they can't, yeah
0: they can't they can't go after the actual substance yeah. so they're doing everything they can to to distract from the process and it's it's Disturbing because we're talking about a matter here of national security. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we're talking about is the President of the United States trading national security for some sort of personal political advantage. Yeah, yeah. And you would think that all of these people, especially Republicans who always claim to be the party of national security and law and order, would be interested in locking that down. And instead, what they're interested in is upsetting the apple cart and trying to claim that there's some sort of conspiracy theory going on or some sort of deep state coup. it's absurd yeah it's yeah. absurd we're in this like weird upside down world now where there's a complaint that the process is happening exactly the way it's supposed to
1: <laughs> yes they're having to invent an entire like alternative reality right where they're it's almost like fan fiction there's yeah, they're,
0: they're in stranger things like matt gates version yeah right? like, yeah
1: it's So it's they're all
0: the slimy monsters.
1: Right, right. Adam Schiff is this unhinged maniac, which, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, as far as uh, members of Congress go, Adam Schiff is one of the most centered, even-keeled members of Congress, much to the chagrin of some Democrats who would like to see him get a little more fiery on occasion. But that's just not his style. Look, uh, they're
0: taking depositions. They're sitting yeah. in a room and they're taking depositions from members of Congress the diplomatic corps and members mm. of the government who are bear, have bared witness to what it is the Trump administration officials are doing, this yeah. like shadow diplomacy that they're conducting... And the members of Congress who aren't part of those committees have no business being in the room.
1: No, no, no. Period. Not at
0: all. Like, it's not even a question. It's not like you're being held out of something that you have the responsibility or at the, the right to be a part of. Yeah. Go sit down.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's part of the get fan out fiction. Of here. That's part of the alternative reality in all of this is that they're saying things like, oh, why doesn't uh, Donald Trump get a chance to cross examine witnesses? Oh my and God. why aren't. Why is, why is this happening in complete secret? What is Adam Schiff hiding? And, and the thing is, of course, this is all fantasy. It is uh-huh. contrary reality. It is just on some other fictitious level that has no bearing on what the rest of us observe as empirical reality, right? And so, it's so
0: disturbing. It's one thing when it comes from the deranged mind of Donald Trump. Yeah, it's another when you have like a dozen members of Congress who are buying into it too. Mm-hmm. Like that's the part that's so disturbing, right? Yeah. I mean, these are elected officials who are buying into the fantasy, this this nonsense deep state conspiracy coup idea. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Well,
1: I get the sense that they don't believe it themselves. That what they're doing what is they they're doing? they're putting on a show for the naive gullible fanboys of Donald Trump the red hats they're they're assuming that none of those people understand that you know for example the quid pro quo is completely detailed in the transcript of the or the non-transcript transcript of the phone call between Trump and Zelensky they're right. assuming that the red hats don't know that there's no cross-examination of witnesses in uh, in an impeachment inquiry. That's not how it works. This is more of a grand jury investigation. That's the template for all of this. They don't know that. So... Of course Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan and all the rest of the Matt Gates are going to stand up in front of microphones and go, "Well, wow, this is a, an amazing breach of uh, due process here that they're not allowing the cross-examination of witnesses when in fact that's never supposed to happen in this case. That's what it's that's like, what happens you know in what the it trial." Reminds
0: me of it's like a yeah. tennis match back and forth, like two people playing <laughs> tennis and I like run onto the court like, "Why didn't I get to play? How come I don't get to play? Throw me the ball." Like, yeah. Dude, you're not invited. Like this has nothing to do with you. Like, right, get right. off the court. I mean, it's it's such wild madness. You know, I was watching last night. Um, I don't ask me why, but I flipped on Fox News uh-huh. just to amuse myself. To because you're a professional
1: on. and you want to see what the opposition is saying. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing my wrong. My cable with that.
0: news rehab lasted like a month, and then all this like, impeachment <laughs> stuff right. started, and I, and I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. And yeah. I turned on Fox News, and they had uh, Representative Radcliffe, John Radcliffe. Uh, who you remember was like this close to being a member of the cabinet. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was saying on Fox News that there is no quid pro quo because nobody who's Ukrainian knew that the aid was being held back. Yeah. And there couldn't be any quid pro quo without the quo, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, until somebody who speaks Ukrainian could tell me that they knew that the aid was... Well, meanwhile, I went back through Ambassador Taylor's opening, just the opening statement, which was 15 pages, and on pages 10 and 11, it specifically talks about the Ukrainian representative for President Zelensky hearing about the aid being withheld and how there was an actual conversation saying you're not going to get anything until the president comes out and makes a public. To, so basically they didn't even read up to page 10. Yeah, like that. If you if you even read up to page ten of the fifteen page opening statement, you would have seen that yes, in fact, the Ukrainians did know that the aid was being withheld until the president came out with his statement saying mm-hmm. he was going to open this bogus investigation. So there, there, nothing that they're purporting to be true is actually true or factually accurate. They That's can't right. be bothered to read. They can't be bothered to learn. They can't be bothered to notice that there's rules and regulations and and facts. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating to have to fight that because I don't know how you fight lies with facts if people aren't going to believe that there's actual facts.
1: Yeah, in fact, I was just going to ask you about that and I get the sense that and I've read some things along these lines, Jackie. That for the Trumpers, for the Red Hats, for everyone who's aligned on the Republican side with Donald Trump, which is most Republicans, they believe now that the political debate in this country is no longer right versus wrong. It is winning versus losing. So they're not motivated to be right. They don't care if they're right or not, as long as they're winning. And that is, to me, that's one of the most terrifying aspects of Trumpism—the fact that but they. What are
0: you winning? Yeah, well, are you winning they're... the total destruction of democracy? Or are you? Are you? Are you winning <laughs> yeah. like being Putin's new best friend? Right. Like, what, what are you winning? Well, because there's wh- no win here. This this doesn't help our nation at all.
1: No, absolutely not. And of course, those of us who are normal, <laughs> those of us who exist on Earth One. <laughs> un- understand what reality is, and they're creating their own reality. And as long as whatever it is, 40% of the American voting population is going along with that reality, that's a win for them. That's uh, the, the owning the libs is a win for them.
0: Well, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. Maybe this will help.
1: Okay. I don't feel owned. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I don't,
0: you're not owning me. Like you're not owning the libs. What you're doing is making yourself look like an idiot and and you're slowing down the process of saving our democracy. Like there, there is no owning. You're not like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, I got the liberals. Like (laughs) dude, you're, 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 what you're doing is like tearing down the country and feeding into Putin. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just don't. Like, I don't get where you're winning on any of this. Like, it's going to be a huge destruction of democracy. And yeah. then you can give a big thumbs up and say, I di- I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you're not winning anything. Nobody's winning. Like, it's not. Yeah. That's, that's not what this is about. You know, it's it's also interesting to me. I had this conversation. How uh, Sparks and I have been doing some some podcasting together. Oh, yeah, we that's right. Conversation. Yeah, it's fascinating. And and he's, you know, he's always going off on these brilliant tangents, which I love. So mm-hmm. 90% of it is kind of corralling him back. Um <laughs> I always learn something. It's really fun. And he's such a great comedian that, you know, he goes off on these funny riffs, but um, one of the things we were talking about yesterday was what happens once Trump outlives his usefulness Mm -hmm. to Putin. Yeah. And we're going to be left in such shambles because he's doing all of Russia's bidding. I mean, we can talk about this some more too, is that all this Ukraine stuff obviously circles back to Russia. Yeah. So, and the Syria stuff for that matter. Mm -hmm. But once he outlives his importance and he outlives his usefulness, then what happens? Does Putin then, you know, accidentally leak the compromise he's got? Yeah. Does he does he then uh, I mean, where, where, where does it end here? Because Trump doesn't have anything other than the presidency right now. Like once that's gone, where where does he go? Yeah. Yeah. What, where is he useful to anyone?
1: In fact, Jonathan Chait just wrote a piece for New York magazine. It was a pretty short piece, but I think it nailed the point, which is that. I think they may be looking, and this uh, involves Putin, obviously, but more specific to the congressional Republicans, that Trump may be in a conundrum like Joe Pesci's character in Casino, where the mob bosses are okay with Joe Pesci's erratic behavior, as long as the money keeps flowing in. And once the money stops flowing in then they bury him in a (laughs) cornfield. You know what I mean? And so that may be occurring. And I think Rachel Maddow has been hinting something along those lines. Like Russia is getting bored with Trump and they may Mm -hmm. actually start to sell off their sell off their assets everything must go and they may yeah. be pulling out backing away from uh their support of donald trump which he may or may not need it i don't know if he's going to continue to need it because he's certainly putting together other deals along those lines but that i think that's what's happening i think uh part of donald trump's weakness it's is, going to be a
0: trump tower safe zone
1: yeah i think the trump tower
0: in the, in y- the yeah the swath of land that he's handing over to <laughs>
1: Erdogan. <laughs> in fact, you know, Rachel Maddow was on uh, Mark Maron not too long ago, and they were talking about how well, maybe after Trump uh, leaves office, whether it's through resignation or any of the other possibilities, that he suddenly gets asylum in Russia and Putin puts him up in the same apartment complex as Edward Snowden. So, oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're working on your presidential castle, Mr. Trump. Uh, it's going to be done well, maybe six months, maybe So then a here's bit. a dorm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Instead, he ends up having to live in this rat infested place, uh, in Moscow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean,
0: look, none of us knows how this is going to end. Right. Um, but I do know that most of us hope that it ends sooner rather than later. Yeah. And it does start to feel like, I don't know where we go from here. Like if this isn't, if this isn't the tipping point, then nothing is like, mm-hmm. if you, you have ample evidence now, especially, I mean, I, I don't know if you went, I'm assuming that you went through ambassador Taylor's opening statement. Oh yeah, it yeah. Was Some of the most like detailed damning evidence mm-hmm. uh, that we've heard come out of any of this. And look, as somebody who spent years working on this Trump Russia investigation stuff, I, nothing I'm reading is of any surprise yeah, um, because it does all circle back to Russia. I mean, Ukraine is a proxy for Russia and mm-hmm. all of this. It's, Putin loves to blame things on Ukraine, right? They'll shoot down, Russia shoot down a passenger jet and they'll blame it on Ukraine or yep. they'll invade Crimea and blame it on Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine is the, the, the breeding ground for all Russia conspiracy <laughs> theory and bad acts. I mean, they test everything out in Ukraine first. Um, so none of this surprises me, but I am glad that we're getting such definitive evidence now and at least... Um, that the ability for people to see it in black and white in a very short period of time is
1: useful. And the Ukraine thing. Uh, so I'm grateful thing. for that. With Ukraine and the quid pro quo that has obviously been arranged here, uh, does that lend more insight into how the, for lack of a better term, the Russia collusion took place? We can kind of superimpose the deal making that was going on with Ukraine onto what Trump may have done with Russia, where maybe at some point he's arranging through obviously buffers, the boss has a lot of buffers, uh, mm-hmm. some sort of quid pro quo arrangement regarding sanctions, and of course Mike Flynn fits perfectly into that equation.
0: Oh, sure. So, I mean, um, I, believe, I believe that this is, it's it's almost like Trump saw what Putin did and thought he could do the same, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the, the authoritarian power that Putin does, um, and he doesn't have the KGB training oh, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't have this skill set and he doesn't I mean I, I just think that Trump is way out of his league and he saw what Putin was able to do for him and thought huh like I can I can handle some of this myself or he took orders from Putin to do it Yeah, because um, you know first of all Trump couldn't point to Ukraine on a map <laughs> I mean, he has no idea where it is. He doesn't know about any of this stuff. But this is this is a Putin pet project. Right. Like stopping Ukraine from being a free democracy is a a Putin project. So um, I think that what's important uh, to understand is that this this is clearly not coming out of Trump's brain all by himself.
1: Are you? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 no. I just, I just think it's important to keep, keep in mind that this is, this is. I think this is Trump trying to do what he saw Putin do and not being successful at it.
1: Were you blown away when you heard that they're actually investigating this whole Ukraine DNC Crowd Strike conspiracy? This is theory? nuts. Yeah. this
0: is nuts. Like. And look, I don't speak right-wing conspiracy theory, so correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) But the idea that somehow CrowdStrike, which is an American company, like Mm -hmm. a California-based cybersecurity firm, was called in to help the DNC figure out who'd hacked their servers, then took the server Mm. and, like, shipped it to Ukraine, FedEx, like, what do I know? And, like, hid the server in Ukraine to hide, like, who actually, I mean, it's so far-fetched. And so insane, and the fact that it's now somehow taken on legs to the point that our Attorney General of the United States is like gallivanting about the world yeah, off trying to, Italy. to find a way yeah. to prove this conspiracy theory. I mean, this is insanity, and it's it's amazing to me that that I mean, Bill Barr never should have been confirmed in the first place, and that's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation. I'm disgusted that that. You know, the, the, the warning signs weren't heeded yeah. because when you write a an audition letter basically saying, I believe you have absolute power, hire me, uh, that should be disqualifying. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Bill Barr is, is going around the world trying to prove a conspiracy theory to yeah. exonerate Russia in 2016 is maddening. Yeah. And it's it's crazy making because this isn't a thing. And somehow our Department of Justice, I mean, does he have nothing to do at home? <laughs> is there nothing for him to do here? Right, right. Can somebody get him a hobby? I don't understand how our attorney general has time to be doing this.
1: Oh, I know, I know. And I'm wondering, is Trump's hubris with Ukraine and now we're hearing uh, about China and some of the other attempts at quid pro quo deals related to the election. Is this hubris something that, He's always done, and he's just being stupid and reckless about it now? Or does he feel emboldened by the fact that he's got Bill Barr to backstop him legally?
0: I think this is the kind of stuff he's done through his entire career. Yeah. And there hasn't been this kind of scrutiny on him. I think for his entire life, people were just like, well, that's Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That's just Trump. That's just how Trump operates. It's just what Trump does. Like, I don't understand. I mean, I, I guess it's that... He hasn't really come under... I mean, there's no reason why his foundation couldn't have been um, outed earlier, right? Like, he's been... He was skimming money off of his foundation, and it wasn't actual giving to charity or any of the stuff that he's, (laughs) you know, since been... Right. that since been uncovered, uh, wasn't there, hasn't been there for years. It's just nobody was really paying that close of attention to him. Uh, And now that he's in the role of the president, there's all this scrutiny on him. At the same time, he's also got this sense of being emboldened by the office of the presidency, which Mm -hmm. he often confuses with a dictatorship or some sort of authoritarian uh, regime. So he's operating the same way he always did. With the assumption that he's going to get away with it because he always has, yeah. and I think Bill Barr does give him an added level of confidence, and then part of me thinks he's just too stupid to know, <laughs> uh, yeah. and it, it, it really because he's just not a bright man. And if you watch, if you watch that like nonsense press conference today, I don't know how you stand in in the white house at a podium and talk about how grateful Syria is for all of your help when you mm-hmm. basically abandoned the Kurds and left them for slaughter and yeah. you're you're going out and talking about how their leadership is so grateful to you i mean we all know that's a huge lie and yeah. he stands there and just puts words together that don't form actual sentences and thoughts that, that don't make don't don't have any bearing on reality mm-hmm. So you can tell that this is not an an educated, bright man. It's somebody who has always operated uh, by by slightly bending, if not breaking, the law. Yeah. Um, And there's no reason to think he couldn't continue to get away with it. If you've made it to 70 and you haven't gone to jail yet, what makes you think you're ever going to go to jail?
1: It's really a miraculous thing. And in fact, uh, he was tweeting today, uh, the president was, that we have captured all of those escaped ISIS prisoners. And in fact, the U.S. envoy to Syria was in the Senate yesterday testifying to foreign relations and saying that we don't know where the hell the ISIS prisoners mm-hmm. are. We, we've we mm-hmm. lost them. They're gone. They're and, gone. I mean, and again, that goes back to what I was talking about as, as far as the alternative reality that Donald Trump is fashioning around his presidency. And I think a lot of it is uh, is backstopped by, by Bill Barr. But I think it's also because Donald Trump has certain assumptions about American politics that he learned from Fox News Channel and just operating in the corrupt realms of New York real estate. And mm-hmm. I think he believes, I think he sincerely has this worldview that all politicians lie and he's just doing the same as everyone else does. He's just lying right along with all the other politicians who he insists are, are liars, you know, like Barack Obama and George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. Why can't Donald Trump be a liar, too? And I think on somewhere in the back of his worm ridden brain, he's going, why are they attacking me for lying? Everybody lies, but no one else has ever invented this level of alternative reality, have they?
0: No. And I and I think it's even simpler than that. Like, I don't think Donald Trump ever gave much thought to politics other Mm -hmm. than as some sort of leverage for power. Yeah. And so he doesn't care about foreign policy. He doesn't care about international relations. He doesn't care about domestic programs. He doesn't care about the welfare of the community or the nation as a whole. He sees everything as transactional. And so, what he does is he operates in the government role the same way he operates in business, which is who are the most powerful people that I can align with? Who do I have to pay off to get something done? Um, what you know? Where are the bribes? Where do I where do I sign up for that? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, for him. I mean, it seems so obvious to me. Like he sees guys like Putin and Kim Jong Un and Erdogan as as uh, the, the most powerful people in the world. Right? So, how do I get in with that upper echelon? Yeah. How do I make nice with those people? Because those are the people who are going to help me get my business done, whatever that business happens to be. Mm-hmm. But there's no sense of what's right for the country. I mean, look, you're talking about a man who took five deferments from Vietnam, doesn't give to charity, doesn't care about the little guy, uh, who, who takes the office of the presidency, and now all of a sudden he's supposed to be this great patriot who cares about you. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not believable. Like, right. by any stretch, he didn't have some like come to Jesus moment where he decided he was going to spend the last 15 years of his life doing good for the country. Mm-hmm. He's still out looking out for himself. He yep. didn't disassociate from his businesses. He, he didn't do any of the things he said he was going to do. He likes to create these huge crises and then put out the fire that he created and claim victory. Mm-hmm. It, it's all incredibly transparent and it's operating like a shady businessman and a, and a mafia don. I mean, that's, yep. that's where he gets his experience from. We're mm-hmm. only as strong as our life experience and his life experience is... Is mafia ties and shady business
1: deals. We're going to return to our conversation with Jackie Schechner in just one second, but I got to stop the conversation here and tell you about ButcherBox. As part of my fitness program, I eat like a metric ton of protein every day. It's kind of ridiculous, but uh, that makes me super picky about my meat products. But thanks to ButcherBox, I don't have to worry about getting quality meats conveniently delivered to my door every month. I receive a selection of the very, very best meat without leaving my house. All of ButcherBox's meat is free of antibiotics products and added hormones. We're talking about 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 meals. I'm also able to customize my box so I can get exactly the meats that I want. In fact, I'm already getting the meat sweats just talking about all this. And right now, ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life that's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription plus twenty dollars off your first box just go to butcherbox.com slash sexy liberal or enter the promo code sexy liberal at checkout that's butcherbox.com slash sexy liberal or enter promo code sexy liberal at checkout thank you for supporting this show by supporting Butcher Box. The Bob Seska Show. Well, and also, I mean, going back to his perception of American politics, I always think of the movie Galaxy Quest, I don't know if you've ever seen Galaxy Quest, Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver, Mm -hmm. and what happens in this movie is the space aliens they encounter are space aliens who watched the Galaxy Quest, which is like Star Trek, or like watched Star Trek, the show, and assumed that it was a documentary and that it was real and these people really existed with that technology and so on. So they built their entire society around the technology of this TV show. And then mm-hmm. they're, like, freaked out because none of it actually works the way it's supposed to work. And they're getting decimated by this uh, other Klingon villain race. of. Uh, and well, so, here's a good example of that. Yeah. You
0: remember when Donald Trump brought in the parents of this the oh, child yeah. who was killed? Yeah, this is a great example of this. So these these uh, this boy, I think he was 19 or so, was riding on his motorcycle in England, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a diplomat's wife who was riding driving on the wrong side of the road and struck yep. and killed this 19 year old. And uh, President Trump or someone in the White House invited the parents from England to the White House. Uh, and then they proceeded to ambush them by saying that the woman who killed their son was in the building and, and wanted to meet them. I mean, it's it's a bad reality show ambush. And yeah. and there's no sense. And according to their their accounting of the incident, that he didn't take no for an answer, that they kept saying no. And he kept saying, oh, come on, like he kept mm-hmm. pushing for it. And it's there was no concern for the fact that these are grieving parents. There was no concern for the fact that if they were going to do this, they wanted to do this in, in a place that was comfortable for them on their own home turf, mm-hmm. that they had no idea that they why they were coming to the White House, let alone that they were going to then be surprised by the woman who killed their son, who claimed diplomatic immunity and left the country. Um, so there's there's a lot going on there but you're talking about a man who lives in reality television world and thinks yep. everything can be pre- pre- pre-produced and that there's going to be some big reveal and that's going to make everything okay and I, I just, to me, when I read that my heart so went out to this family I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know why they came to the White House in the first place but my heart so went out to them because I can't imagine being in that level of grief and then being ambushed with something so incredibly callous and thoughtless by the President of the United States
1: Yeah, yeah, and in fact, you know, sometimes I have a shred of sympathy for the Red Hats. I know that's a striking and uh, oh, an alarming God. to hear. Why? But every once in a while I go, well, you know, they just believed their leadership. I mean, that's kind of what we've always done. And they're just assuming that, well, this guy is presidential material when he was running and now he's president. So I believe the president and why not? But then of course I realize all of the destructive things they're doing and that sympathy vanishes almost immediately like a Thanos snap. But, you know, here's something that's bugging me, Jackie, um, and this pertains a little bit to Russia and obviously to Ukraine being the most recent thing. Um, this notion that all of the previous scandals, and you mentioning that the, the uh, British family that came over to visit, I mean, that mm-hmm. basically made a blip of about two hours during one day of, of news. Right, right. But this notion that all of his scandals um, were too difficult for the American people to understand until Ukraine came along. And I'm not blaming the members of Congress or the press for any of this, mind you, but the sad reality is they're kind of exactly right. Americans are too misled and distracted to understand the complexities of things like collusion, obstruction, ethnic cleansing, Syrian civil war, money laundering, all the rest of it, Russian oligarchs, whose most of the names you can't even recognize or Mm -hmm. pronounce, how dangerous is it that high crimes are... Just basically ignored because we're just too stupid to understand them.
0: We're too busy and too yeah. distracted. Right, yeah. I right. mean, that's, but that comes down to like people not paying attention to politics. Yeah. Right. People are like, I'm not political. I don't, and I see it out here in, in Los Angeles a lot. I mean, obviously, coming from DC and being in the political world, I'm totally up on everything. And mm-hmm. then I have a conversation with my friends out here and they have no idea who I'm talking about <laughs> or what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it's no knock on them. They're just in a different world. Mm-hmm. they just, their world just revolves around different things, which is totally fine. But it harkens back to why politics. Politics is so important because all of these decisions that are being made in Washington end up trickling down and affecting your day-to-day life in ways yep. that you can't even imagine. Yeah, it's infuriating. And I look at, for example, when this news came out about Dimitri Firtash Right, who is the Ukrainian oligarch who is funneling money through Giuliani's thugs, who have mm-hmm. since been arrested, uh, to the Trump super PAC. And Lord knows who else, Giuliani himself, obviously, but we don't know at this point who else was getting money. But Fertash's name was rang such a bell with me um, <laughs> that when I set up, I'm not kidding, I yeah. set up my Google alerts when all of this Russia-Trump stuff started for me, like when I started working on it a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. I set up my Google alerts, and the first name I put in was his. Like above Adam Schiff, above Donald Trump wow. Jr., above like, yeah, because he knew there was something going on there. Like there mm. was something because he was he was fighting extradition. Um, He seemed interconnected with a lot of people. It seemed somebody to watch. Uh, So I wasn't all that surprised. I was actually kind of like patting myself on the back, pretty proud of myself for seeing that, that that he was somehow interconnected and they weren't paying enough attention to what was going on with him. Um, It seems to be the thread that you need to pull on at this point, right? And how he's connected and where all this money is funneling in from. Um, But it seems... Like more and more evidence pointing to the same MO that we had, yeah. I think, during the election, which is you know Russian and Ukrainian oligarch money funneling in through proxies to Donald Trump and his associates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to keep track of because they're using they're using middlemen and proxies and buffers. But um, you know Firtash, for example, is connected to the highest levels of the Russian mafia. Um, these are these are guys. I mean, I think these are the guys who've been. Money laundering through Trump properties for decades. Yep, it's the same. It's the same group of people, and so it's not surprising to me that he would just continue business as usual. I think ultimately, when the chips uh, fall where they may, we're going to find out that Trump uh, not only is hugely in debt to Russian entities, um, and so the stuff that he's doing now is is paying off that debt in some ways. He doesn't want people to know how indebted he is to, mm-hmm. to Russian oligarchs, um, and I think there is some kind of sketchy compromise. Uh, that they've got on him that that you know who knows if that'll ever come out but I think it's a combination of the two I think it's he's got he's got to pay off old debts yep. Uh, and I think that they have a whole bunch of embarrassing information on him. And I think, you know, that's in the same folder with the embarrassing information on Lindsey Graham.
1: Right. And, you know, obviously, when we hear about Ukraine and uh, and we're in discussions about quid pro quo and the impeachment is moving forward, I can't help but to go back to that discussion that he had with uh, George Stephanopoulos. Of the, It must have been early summer, I want to say, like May, somewhere around there where Trump was saying, yeah, why not take help from another? Oh, government? Yeah. I mean, why? Sure. What's wrong? with that if we actually if they offer why not just take it I think I would listen to it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so it seems as if he just thinks that this is just a normal thing that that people do that it's it's okay if you if someone comes up and offers you help you take the help And
0: because there are no lines in international
1: business, right?
0: And so it doesn't matter who you deal with in international business. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't understand there's geopolitical consequences when you're talking about government relations and international relations. You've got whole nations at stake. And he yep. doesn't. None of that dawns on him. He just mm-hmm. sees all of this as another business transaction. Yeah. So the international relations part of this and the fact that you've got people's lives at stake, like, doesn't dawn on him. It's all transact. It even came out in the. In the testimony from Ambassador Taylor, where he said that Gordon Sondland was saying to him, you know, Trump sees this as a business. And if you're going to write a check, then you got to get the services that you're writing for. Oh, wow. and, and Ambassador Taylor had to say to him, hey, Ukraine doesn't owe us anything. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, you know, Trump isn't writing a check of his own money. It's it's American taxpayer dollars that are going to help Ukraine with its defense to protect its fledgling democracy. Like, you yeah. know, Donald Trump isn't writing out of the Trump Foundation <laughs> uh, slush fund. Uh, in exchange for something from Ukraine like yeah. it, that, that's not how it works mm-hmm. but that's clearly how he's. or even when he he tried to put the G7 at Doral right he still sees M- <laughs> Mick Mulvaney says he still sees himself in the hospitality business like, <laughs> dude you're not Amazing. you want to be president be president
1: yeah the disconnect with reality is one of the things that i just i sit with my mouth agape and my eyes bulging out watching that happen like i just i can't believe that it's actually going on that there is this vast a gulf between empirical reality and the way the president is operating you know i i have a, a question for you this is kind of Along the lines of what I was just talking about with regard to the American people being too distracted and, and maybe not up uh-huh. to speed with these things, putting it you know, t- investigate
0: Russia.org is still online, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and
1: related to that, put it this way the Republicans are still screaming about every alleged Democratic scandal dating back to Vince Foster, Benghazi, Hillary's emails. Every time they get a chance, they're screaming about that. Meanwhile, I think liberals have all but abandoned the Russia story uh, because Mueller didn't appear with Jr. in handcuffs and a stack of indictments against the president. Is this why we lose this shit? Or do we, I mean, do we give (laughs) up too easily?
0: We do. We do. And I, and I'm disappointed, you know, when we find out that the Mueller report was over redacted and we find out that. Don Jr. never testified and mm-hmm. Don McGahn never testified I mean it does feel like there were a bunch of rocks that were left unturned and yeah. um, it's it, that's frustrating to me I mean look I'm not going to knock Mueller he, he served this country well and yeah. he's a, a lifetime patriot um, but I wonder if he, if Barr shut him down, or um, if he was hamstrung by resources, because it doesn't make sense that you would just throw up your hands and say, "Well, you know, they destroyed evidence and they used encrypted messaging and we couldn't get into it, so oh well." Yeah. I mean, it just that that to me doesn't seem like it's all that thorough, um, and the fact that you're not going to talk to Don Jr. about, you're not going to subpoena him to talk about the meeting, you're not going to go back. I mean, the Eric Prince stuff to me is is the most incredible, yeah, like. Portion of all of it. The fact that we know for a fact he lied to Congress uh, about what he was doing down in the Seychelles mm-hmm. and he's just skates away like nothing happens. I just yeah. to me, the fact that all of these loose ends are just left loose. Well, wasn't um, he wasn't surprising. there?
1: Didn't shift place a criminal referral against Eric Prince?
0: Where's that going to go? With the
1: edge of nowhere, obviously.
0: That's going to go to Barr's obviously. DOJ? Obviously. It's going to go by it's the... Dis- same thing like Gordon Sondland, right? Yeah. If you refer that to the Department of Justice for perjury, because we're now finding out that what he testified has nothing to do with what Ambassador Taylor did, there's some discrepancies there, you can refer to the Justice Department all you want. It's going to go in Bill Barr's circular file. Yeah. I mean, there's... There's, it's not going anywhere. So by putting Bill Barr you know, in the position that he did, Donald Trump got himself the Roy Cohn he was looking for.
1: And in, in fact, I'm not sure if you know for sure what happened, but um, one of the things that we don't talk about a whole lot Anymore is how the SDNY investigation kind of mysteriously just faded away shortly after uh, the Mueller report debacle happened. Um, mm-hmm. it, is that gone? Is that done? And did Bill Barr do it? I don't know do where it?
0: that stands. Yeah, I don't know where that stands at this point. I mean, I think it's encouraging that there's this investigation into Giuliani at this point. Yeah. Um, the fact that that's taking off, and I wonder if that's just the independence mm-hmm. of the sovereign district, they call it, you know the sovereign district of New York, yeah. um, that, that they're doing that. And I saw somebody last night saying that you know none of the same people that were there when Giuliani was there are still in the department, so that's a good thing. Um, just because, no there's, no, there's no bias at this point. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened to that. I do know, I mean, we heard there were, what, like eight referrals that came out of uh, Mueller's muller's investigation i yeah. don't know what happened to all of them and where they've gone and the other thing is we don't hear day-to-day very much about manafort or flynn or gates or roger stone's trial which is coming up in november mm-hmm. um you know a lot of this stuff just kind of falls by the wayside because the president is creating a daily fire that needs to be put out or yeah. a daily distraction there's so much happening i it, it's unfortunate because there is a 24-hour news cycle and we do have 24-hour news channels and mm-hmm. it would be It would be um, a great service if we didn't run the same stories over and over again. Uh, but there is still news out there I mean there's still there the Russia stuff isn't completely over yeah uh, it just it's just fallen by the wayside for the time being and and that's frustrating but I you know I understand that we have a very short attention span as a nation and we can only focus uh, on a handful of things at a yeah. time yep, and yep most of the things at a time now are on fire so you have to have to, yeah you have to sort of pay attention to those
1: and, and you mentioned Rudy Giuliani the thing that keeps running through I'm my sorry. head is <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> what the f- (laughs) What the fuck happened to him? I mean, no, he was no saint before 9 11, that's for sure. But he was America's mayor for a period of time there. And now he's nothing more than like a mob fixer. He's nothing more than this petty mafia lawyer who's running around with all of these shady characters, running this shadow State Department completely off the books. Uh, That's one of the, I think, conundrums. One of the things that historians, of the future are gonna constantly, and certainly historians of the present as well, are, are trying to figure out like, what became of that guy? What turned him? It's like a Breaking Bad series, you know? He could make a Breaking Bad series about Rudy Giuliani going from America's mayor to petty mob lawyer. What turned? Did, did he let the 9-11 thing go to his head? Is that what it was? Uh, how did he end up uh, going down this road? I
0: don't know. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I don't know if you hit a point in your career where you think, what are my options now? Like, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, is it he, he gets older and he gets more curmudgeonly and there's... <laughs> The money was yeah. too tempting. I don't know. I mean, you know, you can't you can't say what goes through somebody's head. I mean, you've seen that sometimes people change as they get older. Their mm-hmm. life view changes. Um, you know, I, I, I it's hard to tell. I mean, you're talking about a man who's been through what three wives at this point, yeah. Um, and and somebody who feels the need to defend Donald Trump. I don't know what goes through his <laughs> brain. It, it does seem that he's deteriorated. Um, to the to a level that's incomprehensible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, always I, go, I don't know.
1: go. I always go back to the brainwashing, uh, the Fox News Channel, AM talk radio brainwashing that happens, and where they're appealing directly to a certain kind of older white man, and mm-hmm. maybe that's it. But then I go, is that too simplistic? Is that too simplistic an equation <laughs> sure. to reach? You know? I
0: don't know. I mean, look, he lives in New York, or yeah. you know, in, in that world, and I and I wonder if you know you can get. It's very easy to get. Um, surrounded by your own community Mm -hmm. or or, I don't want to say like boxed in or fenced in because New York's a huge world and, and I love it very much but I think that once you get into the a tier of associates um and really in any community I guess but in a major urban area like something like that where he he's in an upper echelon of of people that he wants to maintain that status yeah and so you, you go for whatever you can to, I don't know, I'm mean, speculating, but I, I would imagine it has something to do with that, you know, wanting to affiliate himself with himself with people who are um, moneyed in the way that he'd like to be moneyed, or, or he is, um, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to have there be a huge payday in all of this you, for him. And yeah, it looks like yeah. he got, what, a half a million dollars from the... From the, uh, the Ukrainian thugs. <laughs> well,
1: g- good luck with the asset forfeiture, Rudy Giuliani, because that's, yeah, that's yeah, what's that's around that the corner for fun. him. I think.
0: I, yeah, I mean, it's it's the, it really Trump surrounded himself with the best of the best. <laughs> These are really likable. These <laughs> are really likable. yes
1: respectable guys. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, uh, and and in fact, focusing in on New York a little bit more here. Um, I'm trying to raise some awareness of the distinct possibility that Donald Trump is deliberately manipulating the stock market. and then I've either. heard
0: this. Yeah. I haven't paid that close attention to it, but I've heard this, that people think that he makes these announcements and then there's like a sell-off and yeah. people are making money off of his gold. That mm-hmm. would not surprise me at
1: Oh No, no. And in fact, it's uh, it's happening in plain sight. Uh, William Cohen wrote a piece for Vanity Fair where he actually started to connect some of the dots between some of these massive purchases of September E-minis on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And that, like, like orders of 420,000 of those contracts. And then the very next day, Trump steps out and makes some bogus announcement, a lie about being contacted by the Chinese trade uh, uh, envoys, saying that oh yeah, we're going to reach a deal here very, very soon. And then suddenly the S&P flies through the roof, and this guy, whoever this mystery investor was, ended up making $1.8 billion profit. Off of that one trade. And it coincided perfectly. And there are numerous events exactly like that. Trades that happen the day before or hours before in some cases, a Trump blurt or tweet or mm-hmm. you know, some sort of yawp during chopper talk or whatever the hell he does. <laughs> And, and so what really strikes me as particularly nefarious are, as you said, those sell offs where there might be short sales involved, too, which is as the steward of the economy would be not just criminal and impeachable, but completely unpatriotic on on top of everything else that he would be he would actually be driving. Businesses, uh, investors, downward with his actions. Oh, sure. Well,
0: you have when you have no moral compass Mm. and and no values and no ethical standards. You're willing to do whatever it takes to make a buck. And he loves two things. He loves money and he loves himself. Yeah. And that's it. So, you know, anything beyond that, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if it's, if it's right or wrong. He doesn't care who it hurts. He doesn't care that it's uh, illegal. Like, none of that matters, yeah. really. He's, he just lives in this fantasy world where, um, it, I mean, I, it is his fantasy world, and I hope that the reality hits him uh, <laughs> on yeah. the way out. Me but, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me if, if there's a manipula- intentional manipulation going on and there's not some huge kickback.
1: Well, you know, at some point, Jackie, I hope we can convene uh, these chats and and not have to talk about Trump corruption the whole time and maybe just dis- be nice discuss health care or something um, Ugh, that would be, be amazing. Be, but before we wrap up, I do have one health care question for sure. you and I don't want to make too big a deal of it because I don't know that it is such a big deal. But do you think Democrats are making uh, t- too big a fuss over uh, Elizabeth Warren's refusal to admit that she'd raise taxes to pay for Medicare for all?
0: Oh, yes. Okay, here's my here's okay. my quick take on all of this. Okay. I think this okay. is really important. Every time we have these debates and we talk about what people's health care plan is, yeah. I just want to scream at the television. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't yes. matter. And here's why it doesn't matter. Mm. I don't care if you want to implement some sort of public option. I don't care if you want to move to Medicare for all. None of it's going to happen unless you have control of the Senate. That's right. None of it's going anywhere. Yeah. I worked on the health care debate. I can explain to you uh, from here until, you know, until tomorrow why a public option is a really good idea. We couldn't get it. And we couldn't get it because members of Congress weren't willing to vote for it and because the insurance companies put a tremendous amount of pressure on the members of Congress that they bought and paid for not to allow it. Yep. Because they did two things. They turned around and said it would be unfair competition, and then they said it'd be crap. And I don't know how it could be the two things at the same time, but they, whatever <laughs> argument they needed to demonize the public option, they did. Yep. But that's a wonderful solution, and I would love to have a public option the same way I would have loved to have a public option back in 2008 and 2009 and 2010 but we couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And anybody who says right now that they're advocating for a public option needs to then follow up with how they're going to get us there. Yeah. Because it's the same disingenuity that you're you're blaming on, um, or, or, or dishonesty, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, that, that you're blaming on Elizabeth Warren. You want to know how she's going to pay for Medicare for all? Fine. Tell me how you're going to get a public option into the mix. Mm-hmm. Because neither of you is going to do it. And so <laughs> when you talk about that, like to me, that's such a waste of, of time and energy. Like We know you're going to fix the healthcare system. We're going to do whatever we can get done we're going to continue to build on the Affordable Care Act like that's what Democrats do Republicans tear it down and Democrats build it up and that's all you need to do for now right and then like move forward once you get elected and then we can figure it all out we can get the smartest people in the room the doctors the stakeholders the patients like all all of them right that the the policy writers i don't want politicians in there cuz i don't care what politicians think about healthcare i i want all of the smartest people who know how the healthcare system works to get in a room and figure it all out mm-hmm. but right now spending any more time on that debate stage discussing the difference between the public option and medicare for all medicare for some is a giant waste of energy and yes. time
1: <laughs> yes it um,
0: is And then the other thing too, I think it's important to note is Mm -hmm. that, and and I use myself as a personal example here because it's easy to relate to, is that between my premiums and my co-pays and my labs, um, I end up paying at least $7,000 a year for my health insurance. That does not include my $7,200 deductible Mm -hmm. and that doesn't include any of the doctors that I see who aren't in network that I pay in cash because they're really good doctors and they don't take insurance. So we're talking about, I don't know, let's say $14,000, $15,000 on healthcare every year if you want to raise my taxes, as long as you come in under that, I win. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. I don't care if my taxes go up a little bit, if I don't have premiums anymore, if I don't have co-pays, if I don't have deductibles, if I don't have to worry that I'm going to get a mistaken $500 bill from quest labs, every time I go to get blood work done, like enough, Yeah. like you will save me so much time and energy and heartache and you'll save money at the doctor's office because they don't have to hire somebody to argue with the insurance companies anymore. Like all of this stuff is a benefit, and I wish people would message it properly because I don't think there's anybody out there in America, Republican, Democrat, Independent, or Martian, who doesn't understand the hassle that you deal with with health care in this country.
1: Yeah, and there are two things that I think a lot of first-timers on the political scene are missing. And, and those of us who observed what happened in 2009 into 2010 with the Affordable Care Act realized uh, one of these things, which is that even if we have 67 Democrats in the Senate who are ready to vote for health care reform of some sort, it doesn't mean that it's going to pass because you're going to have 10 or 12 of them who are from red states who don't want to have to say, go back to their people and say, yeah, we're going to be raising taxes on the middle class. It's a non starter for them. And in addition to that, Elizabeth Warren doesn't want to be trapped. And I'm not necessarily in Elizabeth Warren's camp on this. I'm just speaking in terms of reality that I think people who are goading Elizabeth Warren into trying to admit that she's going to have to raise taxes, also don't realize that if she does it, Donald Trump is going to do nothing but hammer her for uh, six months about ra- pledging taxes. to raise taxes on the middle class okay. right alongside saying Pocahontas a thousand times a day. So those yeah. are those are a couple of factors I think that weigh into this where no, we don't want to get lost in the weeds of healthcare because it's first of all, it scares people when you get too detailed like that. Does. And it's sausage making and that is confusing. I mean, most people just don't even know how their own healthcare works, much less healthcare reform. So, yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> I, I, think I put it out into the universe like hire me use me I know how to message this stuff like stop you guys are just like eating your own at this point Yeah, we can get all the Democrats on message we can get everybody saying the same thing like the, the the healthcare fight is not going to be the delineator like the reason why people are saying Elizabeth Warren is too liberal or too progressive and they're claiming this Medicare for all you're going to throw everybody like stop with that mm-hmm. like stop like yep. is she a good kind person who fights for the middle class who wants to do what's right for our country I mean I'm just using her as an example like stop trying to nitpick Medicare for all like it's not going to matter if you don't elect Democrats in the Senate right so you're going to discount her on a plan to try to get us to universal coverage and plus there are plenty of other countries, democracies, like major countries that have all kinds of cool healthcare plans where it's a mix of public and private, mm-hmm. where they've sort you know, gradually moved to a national healthcare plan somewhere in Spain where like everybody's covered, but then you can buy into private insurance on top of it if you want to. Like there are ways to do this. But on that debate stage when everybody's got five minutes and they're jumping all over each other is not the way to have this conversation. <laughs> that's
1: right, yeah. Oh my God, you got to write a strategy memo to the DNC and to the, like, the top five front runners and, and let them know how they need to be like talking. Like an open letter? <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, that's what yeah. I need to do. Or just, a, it can be a private memo. I know like Steve Bannon did that with uh, Obama back during the ACA debate. He wrote a whole strategy memo and they actually kind of applied a lot of it. Uh, did to they their- use it? I think they did. I think they. I mean, used for a... something
0: other than, like, toilet paper? <laughs>
1: no, I think they actually... No, knock
0: on Steve. I'm saying, like, did they pay attention?
1: I think they did, and I think that's Good. one of the reasons right. why it, it certainly helped. But, uh, okay, Jackie, well, you're one of the smartest, <laughs> smartest people I know, and it's always great to talk to you. I um, love
0: talking to you. It's awesome. You let me rant and rave like a lunatic. It's fun.
1: And, and the new show with House uh, Sparks is called Wonky Donk?
0: I know. It's so crazy. We were goofing around. I know. Well, we were goofing around. I know. I've I've been thinking for a long time about they've been asking me to do my own thing. and I I don't know. I love talking to you and I love talking to other people. I don't know how good I'd be on my own uh, because I don't need to hear my own voice for 20 minutes at a time. You're very sweet. Thank you. And I, you know, maybe if people have an idea of what they want to hear me talk about for 20 minutes at a time. But I love talking to you, and I love talking. So I I approached Hal and said, look, if you're going to do something, maybe we can do it together, because I love sidekicking with him. We we used to do that on Stephanie's show a lot. So anyway, long story short is that we want to dig into the wonkiness of rules and regulations, and he made a joke about it's going to end up being something stupid like wonky-donk, isn't it? And then that stuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It stuck,
0: and we couldn't get rid of it. So now he's making graphics. It's going to be a whole thing.
1: (laughs) I was so excited when I heard the news that you were going to be joining the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, except I'm going to have to say wonky-donk every time I got to promote the show. The
0: walkie donk. Yeah, the Isn't it donk. fun? It's so fun. Yeah. Yes. No, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I I love it in that it's so quirky and weird that it's like perfect for me. Um yeah. but it's stuck and now we're stuck with it. So. we That's have what to it get, is we have to get you back on
1: this show again very, very soon. It was I think the last time was somewhere back in June and we can't wait oh that God. long between no between anytime. Right. Hit me up, I love it. <laughs> okay, you bet. Thank you so much, Jackie. We'll talk to you soon.
0: You got it. My pleasure. Bye bye. This is Frangela and we host The Final Word with Frangela and Idiot of the Week podcast.
1: And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll love our show where every week we talk about real news, real funny. So come on over and listen to The Final Word with Frangela and find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, and everywhere else you get your podcast. Today's show has been brought to you in part by the Election Ride Home podcast. I gotta tell you about this great show. It's called the Election Ride Home. Someone's gonna challenge Donald Trump for the White House, one of those 20 or 30 Democrats, and the Election Ride Home is a podcast dedicated to figuring out who that someone, or maybe even multiple someones, will end up being. Every day at 5 p.m. Eastern, veteran journalist and This American Life contributor, Chris Higgins, catches you up on what happened on the campaign trail, who's up, who's down, what issues are getting traction, what do the polls say? It's 15 to 20 minutes that keeps track of all the latest and summarizes it so you don't have to be nervously refreshing your web browser a thousand times a day. So if you want to catch up on what you missed on your way home, search your podcast app and subscribe to the Election Ride Home Podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader: New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented,